Hello, Rue. Hello, Nick. How are you? Oh, I'm very well. How are you doing? I'm all right. You don't sound very well. Uh, tail end of of the Christmas cold and flu. So, yeah, a bit gravelly, but better. Good. I'm glad you're better. I did see a tweet from you uh, over Christmas that Christmas was being brought to you by something like Lemsip and Antibiotics. It was um, Paracetamol and Lemsip and Antibiotics were a late joiner to the party, although mm-hmm. they weren't for me. They were for Toby. That's not a good addition to the festive period. No, we kind of had... The, the two-week Christmas holiday was pretty much written off to illness right across the family. Oh, Nick. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was a hard-going couple of weeks because, as we talked about last week, or in the last episode, we did Christmas at home. So for that first week, yeah, it was just the four of us in the house, all various stages of illness, of, of I mean, mostly just colds, but mm. really... I don't want to come across like man flu, but this was the worst cold. It was it was just really migrainey, sinusy headaches for yeah. about well for about a week, which wasn't fun. And then that turned into tonsillitis for me, which wasn't great. Toby had an ear infection, which wasn't great. And anyway, but Christmas was fun, <laughs> despite all of that. Despite all that, but we're all we're all better now. We're, well, getting Good. there, getting there. How are That's you? Good. What yeah, you really good, to? thank you. I had a little touch, just before Christmas, I had a little touch of something very nasty, something gastric. Uh, I'm calling it norovirus, because oh, I think right. that's been doing the rounds, and, and I had all the symptoms, and uh, that wasn't very fun. No. But actually, the the couple of weeks that I had off for Christmas, is the only time recently that I've not been ill, so it was good. Uh, good. And yeah, we, we had good times. We went down to Dorset, went to see and see the families, and uh, came back for... Oliver's birthday and New Year, which fall on the same day. Yeah. And that was fun. Yeah, it was nice. Had yeah. Little, yeah, little celebration. He's not, at one, really old enough to appreciate birthdays or, or even quite, at the moment, opening presents. He hasn't quite got the hang of that yet. Mm. Um, so, in some ways, I'm, I'm really looking forward to next year when he might be a bit excited about Christmas birthday. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So, you're the dad of a one-year-old, Rue. I know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. You're nearly the dad of a one-year-old as well. Yes, yeah, so um, Lauren will be one in uh, like the second week of February. So we're in fact a yeah a month from now she'll be one. So so I'll be the father of a four and a half year old schoolboy, and that still freaks me out when I <laughs> Toby's a schoolboy. And yes, Lauren will be yeah a little one year old daughter. Wow, amazing! So much has changed in the last year, hasn't it? Yeah, a lot. Has, I mean, it's flown by. I think, well, I think there have been, you know, those 3am wake-ups when it feels like it's not flying by, but, <laughs> yeah, I think sitting here, and it's been good, you know, you and I chatting every every week to begin with, and, you know, every couple of weeks since, and it's been fun sort of just tracking tracking how things have gone this first year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to listening back to the first first episodes of Beardy Dads. I, I expect there was a lot of tiredness and late nights. I seem yeah. to remember we we would record at about 11 o'clock on a Friday night because we were up anyway. Yes, quite a few appearances of the babies themselves because you know, they they certainly weren't in any sort of routine of sleep at that point. <laughs> Hello, Nick. Welcome, baby dads. We have to say congratulations to our uh, friends, John and Lucy, who've recently had a baby of their own. I picked up Martha Adele uh, for the first time last week, and I'd forgotten how small little babies are. 
Yeah. You can hold them in one hand. They're tiny. They are tiny. And because we don't have little babies anymore. We've got one-year-olds. Yeah, they're big bouncy things that want to climb and crawl and, and not quite run, but certainly be up on their feet and moving around. Yeah. And yeah, Martha was gorgeous and, and uh, I don't know, six pounds, something like that, but, but a nice, a really nice size. And uh, yeah, it did, it did bring back an awful lot of memories of holding on to a, a tiny, <laughs> scrawny little thing. And in fact, we've also had an email from uh, one of our listeners, Paul Ashton, to uh, announce the birth of their first child. Alexander Benedict Ashton was born in uh, in Liverpool at one fifty five a.m. on the seventh of December after a five hour labour. Not bad, five hours. That's yeah, pretty good for the for the first as well. I think. Congratulations yeah. to Paul and and your partner. He says that he would like to say thanks for all the tips, discussions, and collected experience that Bearded Dads have imparted. Of particular use, he says, were the NCT sessions, the Tommy Tippy kit. Well, of course. Uh, and especially the perfect prep machine, he says, uh, and the tips on photo books and videos. Uh, and he says that he feels bad for all the other beardy dads out there, as his son is clearly the most beautiful and greatest child in existence. So thank you very much, Paul. Yes, thanks for and you know, congrats to you and your your wife and little Alexander. Amazing. Beardy dads. We've also heard uh, from Phil Saunders, regular contributor to the show. Uh, he's got an update on his twins. They're now six months old, and he says they've started baby-led weaning. We tried direct feeding purees, but found that Jake just sat back and expected a constant stream of food, while Zach quickly tried to grab the spoon. Both were becoming frustrated. We found the boys responding well to baby-led weaning, not for the faint-hearted or the house-proud. While it is messy, I think it works well, especially for twins, as it can potentially cut down feed times. I've realised that the boys are minions of entropy. This is especially clear with Weetabix, where their main aim seems to be bringing disorder by breaking it down into individual grains and spreading these as far as possible. Phil also uh, suggests some tips for baby lead weaning. He says, buy a giant plastic sheet to cover the floor, uh, which I think we've talked about before as being Mm. a very good idea. Yes. Uh, Aprons with sleeves and a pouch come in very handy. I'm not sure what he means by a pouch. So uh, suddenly Ikea do a little apron which which has sleeves. Yeah, it has a little pocket on the front. And they, it is handy because it does catch stuff that goes down the front. Oh, like a turn up at the front to catch the catch the food rather than it, it running down the legs. Yeah, I mean this one. I mean the ones we've got, they are just pockets. They don't turn up because we we tend to double up one of these to get the sleeves on the arms, and then a proper bib with a tray. You like know. A, what I always think of as a pelican bib. Yeah, a pelican bib. On top of that, Tommy Tippy do a good one of those. Do they? Do of course. Well, for balance, boots. That's where we, I think we got ours from for both of them, and they're very good. Probably cheaper too. Uh, third tip from Phil: Don't forget to check in the mouth for squirrelled away food. Yeah, that that can be funny when you you think they're finished, you pick them up and carry them away, and then they suddenly just <laughs> empty their mouth on you. <laughs> nice. Uh, he says again something we maybe may mentioned in an earlier episode: be prepared for unpleasant gagging sounds as they first get used to solids. They've got the right gag reflex, and they're working it out for themselves. And it can be a bit disconcerting, but yeah, it's all it's all good learning. Yeah, they they do know what's a mouthful, uh, and occasionally they um, just test the very edges of, of yes. that. Uh, and last step from Phil, he says, some cold boiled water is a nice way to finish a snack, which makes sense to me. I think uh, mm. a nice little drink, and um, yeah, I'm finding increasingly actually that Oliver will, during a meal, will reach for his little sippy water cup yeah. and uh, help himself to a bit of a drink. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I can't, I can't recommend the plastic sheeting more. 
I don't think we had so much of an issue with Toby, but certainly Lauren now sort of gleefully drops food on the floor, and mm-hmm. she'll and she's got quite cheeky about it. That like with she'll pick up her cup, have a drink, hold it out for you. You'll go for reach it, and she'll take it back, have another drink. Nice. And then she'll just throw it on the floor. And she has started throwing. Um, Not just dropping, actually throwing. Well, dropping with velocity. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So it's sort of propelled to the floor. And yeah, the the plastic sheet we've got at the moment isn't necessarily quite big enough, but I think we're both both kind of resigned that in about, unless we move house beforehand, in about three or four years, we'll just rip up these carpets (laughs) and start again. (laughs) Do you know we've we've had the carpet in the living room for about seven years, I think, and mm. we were just saying today that yeah, eventually, once he's maybe another year or so older, it'll be time to just replace yeah. the carpet. Yeah, but we've also started feeding him in the kitchen because then there's a nice uh, lino floor, right. a lot much much easier to clean up in there. So that's that's helped a lot. Nick, how was other than being ill? How was Christmas in your house? And did both. Lauren and Toby get some new toys that you've enjoyed putting together and playing with. I have to say, I think our, our illness did tarnish the general experience, but it was quite good. I think Christmas Day we were all feeling better than we had been, so it it wasn't it wasn't a complete write off. Um, no, it was good. I think Toby was very excited. They both had some stockings upstairs of, of little bits and pieces to play with upstairs, which was. How we started at whatever, you know, 6am I think it was. Nice. Uh, yes. And then came down, had a nice sort of leisurely breakfast and then Toby was very keen to get to the presents. Now he's very much at that point of excited about the thought of presents to unwrap. He's probably, at four years old, he's probably sort of peak Christmas excitement, isn't he? Yes. I think, you know, this, the ne- this year and the next couple of years I think are going to be, yeah, just that real innocence about it. It was good, yeah. And so he got he got lots of lots of nice stuff, some Lego. We did Christmas Day here, and then the following week we went down to my parents for a few days. We were down there for four or five days. We had sort of second Christmas down there, mm. you know, gifts from the grandparents and the like. And the grandparents always sort of overdo it with the grandchildren. <laughs> so, um, but he was very sweet because because he can be a little fickle in in his desires, shall we say? Mm. Mm-hmm. But also. Because there are so many Octonauts toys out there, we had to get him... We wanted to nail down which one did he actually want. And it changed every day of the week. So we got him to write a Christmas list. You know, a letter to Santa Claus. And getting him to sort of commit to one. Even if he changed his mind, we could go back to the evidence and say, well, Toby, <laughs> in this document on this date, you said You've you wanted... it down. Exactly. So I, I was slightly worried that on Christmas Day he would be upset that he didn't get the Octonaut toy he wanted. Um, and we'd sort of said, you know, you have to wait and see because some stuff might be at Grand and Grandpa's. And, and he was very good. I think he loved everything he got here on Christmas Day. And then we went down to my parents and sure enough, the two things that were on his Christmas list that he hadn't got on Christmas Day were there. And he was amazed. And I think he said to Grand Grandpa, these were on my Christmas list. How did oh, you know? It was that's all- lovely. That innocence of not quite realising it's all very coordinated. <laughs> you know, emails were going back and forth each time he changed his mind over what toys he wanted. <laughs> There's this enormous conspiracy that he's blissfully unaware of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's an interesting point, actually, the whole 
Um, and, you know, spoiler alert, the whole whether Father Christmas is real or not. Oh, yes. And yeah, so obviously you if you're listening that. with your children, uh, now might be a good time to turn, <laughs> yeah. turn off. Because we're going to delve into the mysteries, uh, which which are only for grown-ups. What's your take? I mean, uh, not whether he exists or not. I think let's just let's just get past that. But how we'll take that as red? Yeah. How do you think you might approach? I mean, it goes with like the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny, all the all those characters. Sorry, spoiler alerts on those. <laughs> More spoilers. Um, so Tooth Fairy definitely a useful thing. A bit like mm-hmm. Father Christmas. There's a there's a reason for this to exist. It's a it's a, yeah. a beneficial lie. Uh, Easter Bunny, I I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. I can imagine that both Father Christmas and the Tooth Fairy will will find a place in our yeah. household mythology over time. Mm. But I, I, I'm Easter, not sure. You're right. I've never I quite th- got into the Easter Bunny. No, Easter Bunny is is uh, there's not the same sort of stories around the Easter Bunny, is there? I suppose the the Tooth Fairy is convenient because it's a it's a a trade off, isn't it? It's a reason to yeah. cope with and and be more brave about losing teeth. Um, and there's something in it for you as well. Yes. I don't know what the going rate is for a, a tooth at the moment, though. No, that might be something we should get some guidance on for a future episode. I bet listeners will will have views on this. Well, is it fifty p these days? Twenty p a pound? What, what's the what's what's per tooth? Given that yeah. there's twenty of them to come out. Yes, and I, I guess it's less less of relevant to Oliver and Lauren, but Toby is fast coming up to prime, starting to lose teeth. Yeah, or who knows in the next couple of years. So I kind of yeah. What is it like five, six, seven around? I, I'm I'm blissfully ignorant of it at the moment, but it it must be a little a little after his his current. In my mind, I can picture you know it's the sort of thing that happens whilst you're at primary school, mm-hmm. more than when you go to secondary school. So okay, so yeah, I've, I've probably got four next three or four years. Wikipedia yeah. says the first permanent tooth usually appears around six years. Well, there you are. And there's a transition time. The last four permanent teeth, the third molars, these are the, these are the wisdom teeth. Obviously, mm. uh, usually appear between seventeen and twenty-five years. Right. Uh, so, the, but the first one from six years up to about thirteen years, mm-hmm. uh, and then you you've gone from having what what was it we said previously twenty teeth for the for the baby teeth. I think that's what you said. Yeah. Uh, at this point, you've got twenty-eight, and then after your wisdom teeth come through, then you're up to your full thirty-two. Yeah. But anyway, the, the, back to the Tooth Fairy, because I think interested to hear what any of any of the parents out there with slightly older kids who have gone through that, what, how have you dealt with it? Mm. What, what do you do? Yeah, do but, you have to write a letter, or is it just shoving a tooth under the pillow and waiting yeah. for, for it to be exchanged for cash? Yes. I know that um, uh, Dale, our mutual friend who kind of was partially responsible for this whole podcast happening, sort of instigating, motivating us both to do it, um, mm. He he's got um, a pair of daughters who are, uh, I think one who's maybe just turned ten and the others maybe seven, but that that sort of age they're they're still primary school, but but the elders not for much longer. He's mm. he's got some good stories about the tooth fairy and how he, it's getting increasingly harder for the elder to do the swap without waking them and the increasingly bizarre excuses he's having to find when he <laughs> wakes them up and. <laughs> Um, and what happens when you forget to do the exchange? Oh no! Yeah, and they wake up and there's still a tooth. Yeah, there has to be consistency. Yeah, yeah. So, should try and get him to to share some of that. I know uh, yeah, another friend of ours. They have taken the line that they because they 
they don't want to lie to their children at all. They want to have a very mm. honest relationship with their children. So they have decided not to treat Father Christmas as a story, yeah, as a real being. And from the outset, you know, they've explained about Christmas being, you know, just a time where you, know, you can you know, celebrate family and that sort of thing and you share gifts between family members. Um, but then I know they've had some difficulty then when it comes to school and and things like that around they've had to be very careful with their kids to explain, look, whilst Father Christmas isn't real, a lot of people play the game where they like to pretend he is real. Oh. So they've had to teach their children not to spoil the game for other people. Yeah, don't challenge other people's beliefs too much because yeah. they might not appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, so the opposite was the case for one of my cousins who was very convinced that Father Christmas was real because uh, he'd been to his house. He'd been to... Greenland, Lapland, somewhere. Um, in in quite quite early in life, he'd uh, been to meet and visit Father Christmas, and right. and gone on reindeer rides, and uh, been pulled behind a sleigh, and all sorts of very fun Christmassy adventures. Mm. So he'd gone into school completely confident in the belief that Father Christmas was real, and would argue and fight with people who, right. who claimed otherwise. Right. And uh, yeah, that that uh, definitely caused some uh, problems. Um, I think even at sort of six or seven, he was still very, very firm in that belief. I like the fact there was, I mean, it's a bit late because you know, Christmas was, this is the post-Christmas episode. Um, <laughs> you can do things like the Santa tracking on the NARAD website where you can see where he is in the world. But on, on Christmas Eve, the International Space Station did a pass over the, the south of the UK Oh yeah. Uh, at about 5.30pm. That's handy. So it was dark. So it was a really good, if it, if it were clear, it was a really good pass. At ex- ideal time to tell your kids, there's Father Christmas in his sleigh passing over. He's on his way, coming over. Yeah. And was it clear? I don't know around here, unfortunately. Because we were all well, the kids were fast asleep on the sofa and we were <laughs> curled up in a ball and completely missed it. But I know some friends uh, got away from the city and so there wasn't much street light and um, got a really good view of it as it went over with their... Oh, nice. And again, that was, they've got three young boys, but they're all primary school sort of age, so you know, mm. ideal for for playing along. I think the older two there know Father Christmas isn't real, but still just that sense of wonder of seeing it pass over is quite cool. I definitely remember a time in my life when I was pretty convinced that he wasn't real, but I didn't want to risk breaking it by by challenging mum and dad about it yeah i was keen to continue the uh the make-believe because it was in my interest to to go along with it i have no recollection of believing it if that makes sense mm. you know i i have strong recollections of my parents sneaking in to put my um stocking at the foot of my bed and me catching them and staying up every year to catch them right and that being the game that yeah so I had a very clear sense it was my parents putting these presents out. And maybe that was intentional. Do you know if, if they set out to not fill your head with fiction? Knowing my parents, and I mean, you, you, you know them, trying to draw their kids along around the whole concept of Father Christmas isn't kind of their style. So um, Yeah, I, I can, yeah, having met them, I, I can definitely imagine that they might have uh, intentionally set out to uh, give you some, some truth and honesty in, in your early years. Yeah. Interesting. So I've got a tip for Christmas. Yes. Um, to follow on from the International Space Station flyover tip, which is brilliant and I'll definitely be remembering. Um, my tip, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before, but 
normally electronic toys have little speakers on them mm. and uh, sometimes they can be just very slightly too loud and very slightly irritating. So a little tip that I've, I've picked up, maybe from you actually, Nick, is to just stick a little strip of sellotape over the top of the speaker. You can still hear it. It doesn't take away any of the fun or the enjoyment. It just mm. makes it slightly more tolerable. Yes. No, I think that's that's one of Joe's tips, I think. I'd forgotten about it. And, um, yeah, a couple of the toys Toby got at Christmas could certainly do with quite a lot of sellotape. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it definitely has uh, made a difference in this house. Ian Stimpson uh, suggested on Twitter that his four-year-old has been really loving hex bugs this Christmas. I've seen these before. It's like a mm. little self-propelled toy. Um, that's very badly explained, isn't it? Like a small insect, uh, maybe the size of your little finger, a bit smaller than that. Uh, they, they sort of look like toothbrush heads with little bristly feet because they've got, they've got a little motor on that causes them to vibrate that propels them forward. And then you can uh, get big runs for them to... Yeah, so hamster runs wiggle style. around inside. Yeah, they they do look fun. They're quite quite pricey from what I've seen, but uh, yeah, it does does look does look interesting. Yeah, so good tip. Um, I'd love to hear from listeners about uh, what went down particularly well at Christmas, um, and also, of course, if you've got any particular Christmas traditions, if there are things that uh, you, this is obviously something we should have asked about a month or so ago. But uh, yeah. leaving out the mince pies, glass of milk is this is this stuff that you do? Is is the uh, is this sort of extended narrative of Father Christmas having to be fed when he comes into the house? Is that something that you're you're into? I did the dutiful thing of eating the mince pie and uh, well, eating the mince pie and drinking the milk. I know um, who I'm trying to remember who it was now. Someone thought they were dutifully doing their bit and they broke off the carrot that they left out for Rudolph to leave just the stuff. Rudolph wants to eat the carrot. Yeah, that's and, definitely a thing. And perhaps wastefully just threw the rest of the carrot away um unfortunately apparently they then got told off because that carrot was actually meant to be part of them in terms of the quantity of food they had for the dinner the next day that carrot was actually needed <laughs> and it was actually meant to, yeah rather than left out as as sort of chewed up carrot to pretend the reindeer had been it should have disappeared back it needed in the peeling cutting and <laughs> putting in the racing too that's brilliant uh, yeah, can't remember where I saw that. Anyway, <laughs> but then equally, I mean, it's not just been Christmas; it's also been the New Year. Um, so, w- what did what did all you new parents do to mark the New Year? Did the th- sheer thought of staying up till midnight still hold as much appeal? Did you hear about the Netflix video of um, a, a Christmas countdown? I don't know if it was just for Netflix US rather than UK. I didn't no. check, but um, apparently it was quite popular with parents this year uh, that you could show your, your children a, a countdown to the new year. But, of course, being on demand, you could put it on whatever time right. you wanted. <laughs> you could have, have uh, New Year's Eve celebrations at 9pm and then, and then off to bed. Nice. Yeah, just sort of time shift it and be done. Baby dads! I was talking with somebody the other day Nick, I won't embarrass them by naming them, but uh, a friend of mine who was saying that as soon as he became a dad, he instantly grew a little belly. Right. And that, that was that was probably true for me as well. I remember maybe just uh, as a side effect of being in the house a lot more and uh, grazing, eating when you can, uh, maybe not looking after yourself quite as well. I definitely remember putting on a bit of weight. Hmm. Uh, it was it probably wasn't until in the summer when I, I started riding a bike to work regularly that I actually actually lost my uh, my dad's tummy. Hmm. I wondered if this is something that you had uh, had memories of or, or whether this is uh, just a isolated couple of incidents. I think um, I probably already had a bit of the belly even before 
Um, <laughs> preempting the dad. Yeah, belly. preempting it. So um, my my attempts to shed the belly have, have perhaps been scuppered, shall we say, by by the children. Yes, I think for me one of the big culprits, less so with Lauren, more so with Toby. Um, maybe from about one till three, where he wouldn't finish his dinner. Yeah, we, we, we he's having a plate of food, same food as us. You know, it's because we always did baby led weaning, so he's not necessarily getting a different meal to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he doesn't clear his plate, I would often find myself finishing his plate for him. Quite natural. Yeah. Wasteful not to really. Well, quite. That's that's how I feel. So. But it does kind of mean I'd quite often have a starter before my main course, which is a bit exuberant for for five days, you know, seven days a week. One and a half dinners. It got to the point where if he finished his plate, I would get slight hunger pang because <laughs> I'd be sad because perhaps he'd be eating earlier than us. Um, so I'm waiting for my dinner, waiting to get them to bed so we could have our dinner. And if I watch him just f- clear his plate, I'm thinking, <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, that food's gone now, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm going to have to have some crisps before dinner. Yeah. I mean, it has been known that we know we're going to be eating later. So if Joe's cooking some fish fingers and waffles for, for Toby and Lauren, she may put an extra waffle on. Oh, this is deadly. Yeah, for, for her and I just to nibble on whilst, whilst we're feeding them. It Would is you... funny how early you end up eating, isn't it? When when cooking for children, you yeah. do end up having a yeah a second bite at the at the waffle. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so one of the big things that has happened uh, this starting just yesterday is Lauren has actually started nursery now. Oh, Nick! How exciting! Yeah, and terrifying. How's how's that going? Uh, so far, she seems to have settled in really well. She had. A couple sort of hour-long taster sessions the last couple of weeks. But mm-hmm. yesterday she did like 8.30 till 1 o'clock, I think. I was off work today, so we all dro- went and dropped Toby off at school, mm-hmm. then took Lauren in, and then Joe and I had a, a day off without the kids, which was blissful. Went and had a grown-up meal at a posh restaurant for lunch. That's, that's like a whole morning and lunchtime, yeah. just the two of you. That's it was, brilliant. Oh, just amazing. But... um. Because we're in this sort of nice period for the next three weeks where Joe doesn't go back to work until the end of January, mm. end of maternity leave. We've started Lauren in nursery a little early. So we've got th- the next three weeks, well, this week and the next two weeks of Thursdays and Fridays. Lauren's in nursery, Toby's in school. And I've also come to realise I've got, I've got 12 days of holiday to take by the end of March. But... For the first time, Toby is only available on five of the f- for five days at the February half term. <laughs> that means I'm so I'm just burning up random days here and there, and so we had a grown up day today, which was lovely. Anyway, it's oh, great. So then we picked up Lauren. We went to pick up Lauren before we picked up Toby, but she was she was having an afternoon nap and she'd been asleep for an hour. But so we left the nursery. We left her <laughs> the nursery then. Went and got Toby, and then went back to the nursery to. <laughs> And she had just woken up when we got there. But no, she's... That's she, great. She seems to have settled in really well, which is... Well, she must be if she's, if she's sleeping there. And yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's a, that's a very big milestone. Mm. We had a smaller milestone recently. Uh, now that Oliver's hit one year, we've uh, moved him on to the next formula milk. So he's now on um, growing up milk, I think it's called, as opposed to follow-on milk, which 
just about works, except um, often he'll wake up after an hour or so and be very hungry and demand another bottle of milk. Really? So, uh, yeah, just uh, still still trying to work out the right balance of food and then uh, a little bit of extra milk to to Interesting. Uh, top up as well. But, yeah, at the moment, just... Uh, just Actually, last night he slept okay, but yeah, just trying to get the balance right. And uh, yeah. we're currently sort of straddling that line where he's only just one. Mm. Uh, so sort of the the one to two toddler formula milk where you might have one or two beakers of it in a day. I think I think probably two. But just supplementing the, the food that they're eating. Yeah. Yeah, it just, it, it, it just may have been a bit of a right. big jump for him all at once to, to go yeah. to that. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, with Lauren, we just... And we, yeah, she's not on any sort of formula. She, um, I mean, she has water with with her meals, mm-hmm. and I mean, she does, and she has does have an afternoon snack, so it sort of has a bit extra food. Um, and then she, I mean, Joe breastfeeds her a little, just as part of the bedtime routine. Okay. But you know, it's, I, I don't think it's lot a lot. It's just part of settling her down, mm. and I don't think she needs it, but I think it helps her helps her settle still but yeah well nick we have had two more reviews on itunes excellent i will read the first one uh yep. pal smith uh gave us five stars and said highly recommended warm friendly and informative with a responsible attitude to its advice not preachy and aware that they don't know it all giving a good atmosphere for tips and trial and error must listen for dads of young kids thanks carl yes thanks carl uh we've also had one um entitled entertaining informative and reassuring five stars and it reads i start with a confession i'm not a dad i haven't got a beard although my grooming has gone distinctly downhill since the baby is here but as a mum to a seven month old baby i love your podcast i overheard your tip on frozen banana puree whilst my husband was listening and i was hooked (laughs) i've really enjoyed listening to you both talk about your family life so warmly and with lots of humor keep up the good work well, thank you, Mrs. Ken Forcer. Yes. That's lovely to hear that mums uh, listen in sometimes as well. That's great. Certainly when we set out route, it was never... I think we've said before, the, the Beardy Dads is... It's the it's, it's your hosts of the show, not, not the intended audience, isn't it? It's definitely not uh, an inclusion criteria for the listeners. No, no. So all are welcome. Definitely. We might slow down a little bit now, though, Nick. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, people who have been... Um, Sort of tracking tracking our episodes will notice. I think we managed, yeah. We I think we did probably the first six months or so an episode every week. We did. Things were changing fast. There was a lot going on. Yeah, and that that you know we had lots to talk about, and it was I think that, that was right. And then um, I think through the summer, uh, just to start from the summer break, we kind of got slightly less every week, and maybe every other week, and um, I think we sort of car- have carried that through. Um, and again, had a couple slightly longer breaks along the way, just just as life has got in the way of us talking to each other. Um, but I think now we've reached this one year, and it, it is, you know, our first episode was pretty much a year ago, exactly. Mm. Um, you know, we've been doing this a year now, so we're going to um, not, I wouldn't say, I won't say this is the last episode by any means, but I think... I mean, I don't know how you feel, Rupert. Things aren't changing so fast. I think that's true. Yeah, I think in the early days, every week, um, 
there was so much to so so much was changing, so much to talk about, and now having hit about about a year there, pace of change has slowed enough that it it maybe makes more sense to do it less frequently. Um, yeah. And I think you're right. I don't think this is the last one by any means. I think um, this is probably more about slowing down and uh, finding a finding a different pace. Yeah, um, and I don't know. Maybe that's monthly. Maybe it's just every every, every time we think of it. Every time we uh, yeah. happen to get together, if we go on holiday together again this year, we'll definitely want to do a a, a roadshow episode like we did last time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And indeed, if if any of our listeners have something to contribute, and you know, if if something comes in that that drives us to getting together and recording the episode, we we will do that as well. So yeah, we'll still be keeping our eyes peeled, and I'll definitely be. Um, looking on on both the email and on Twitter as well, but it would be nice to stay in touch with people, and it would be nice to keep hearing tips and questions and ideas, and yeah, just maybe uh, episodes won't be um, quite as quite as frequent or regular as they have been. Yeah, but we certainly will be back at some yeah. point, and and equally, you know, we we still would love to hear from you. Um, you can email us podcast at beardydads.co.uk, and we're still beardy dads on Twitter. Absolutely, and you know, do do send in anything, anything you want, anything you would like to share, whether it's birth announcements, whether it's tips, whether it's any any funny stories you have about your your little ones. Um, yeah, it's it's all it's all good for us because I think in part of it, whilst things have slowed down in terms of the kids' development, and we when we have less to talk about from our own kids, then you know we want we need. We need feeding from from our audience as to yes. things to talk about. I think that's definitely quite... the more you send us, the more uh, frequently we'll need to record. So yeah, do do get in yeah. touch. Um, and thank you to everyone who's done that this week. And of course, thanks to everyone else who's been talking to us and talking about us uh, on Twitter as well. So Andrew Wheaton, uh, Owen H, Lopter, everyone else as well. Thank you uh, for for all your comments and and thoughts and suggestions. Yeah, and you know, just not just in the last couple of weeks, but the last year. I think just. Um, I think we would have stopped a long time ago if we were just chatting to each other and it was going into a black hole somewhere. I mean, yeah. you and I, we, you would still talk to each other. I mean, <laughs> we saying, would. We just might not take the effort to record it. Yeah, I'm not saying our friendship is based on this podcast, but no, absolutely. No. But no, it's it's made a, a big difference to me hearing uh, tips from other people. And in fact, the number of times that I've noticed that that I'm doing something, some, something I've learned from a listener uh, this week. One that really stood out to me was um, taking a banana, breaking it in half, poking my finger into the end until it split uh, three ways, because they have a threefold symmetry. Yeah, they do. Uh, which we learnt from a listener, maybe Anton, I think. So yes, it, it sticks. It it uh, it continues to inform and uh, and delight and entertain not just us but everyone who listens as well. So yeah, thanks everyone. It's been it's been a really good year. Yes, and. Of course, we couldn't have an episode without saying a big thanks to Wes West for the lovely, lovely theme tune. It was good. And uh, Nick, it's been a pleasure. I don't know when the next one will be, but we'll be we'll be back on back on the downloads. Back on the downloads, and at some point, yeah. You know, if 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 you're worried about missing an episode, don't you know do do that iTunes subscribe or whatever it might be, or uh, follow us at Beardy Dads on Twitter. We'll we'll, we'll make sure it gets shared on there. Yeah, we'll keep you in, in touch and informed about uh, about new episodes. Um, and we're not stopping, we're just slowing down. That's it, absolutely. <laughs> That's the story of my life for the next 50 years. <laughs>
Yeah, kids will do that to you. <laughs> Fun. Thanks, Nick. See you soon. Yeah, cheers, Ru. Bye. Bye.